Broadcasting from the 72nd floor of First Canadian Place in the heart of Toronto's financial district, this is Hashtag Finance, the podcast that profiles innovative entrepreneurs and thought leaders operating in the public markets. Presented to you by the CSE, the exchange for entrepreneurs. All right, folks. Well, we're back with another episode of Hashtag Finance. It's your host, James Black. And today I am joined by Vishal Gupta from California Gold Mining, listed on the CSE under symbol CGM. And we're broadcasting uh, here from the 72nd floor, first Canadian place in Toronto. Vishal, welcome to the show. James, thank you very much for having me on it. It's our pleasure. And the reason you're in our office today um, is because you guys opened the market. So you had the opportunity to come and ring the bell, ring in the trading day. Uh, maybe just explain to me sort of how you ended up uh, listed on the CSC and and what you guys are really focusing on today at California Gold Mining. Sure, sure. Yeah, we're a gold exploration company, as the name would suggest. And uh, for the last seven years or so, uh, we've been exploring on our Fremont property in California. Uh, very exciting Fremont property in California, where we've got a pretty substantial initial resource estimate already delineated. Uh, last year, we decided that we wanted to add a second business stream to our business. And uh, this was on the hemp cultivation and processing side. And the idea behind that was to generate some positive cash flow uh, to fund our gold exploration activities so that we would reduce the burden on our shareholders with dilutive financings. And um, with that uh, idea in mind, uh, the CSE itself was um, a very helpful entity in that regard. And uh, with their help, you know, we we switched our listings from the TSX Venture to the CSE about a year ago. Right. And uh, with that, we also announced our entry into the hemp business space as well. And so today for us to be invited to ring the bell at the CSE was a true honor. Yes, and it's our pleasure. So you've got two business lines. You've got the mining exploration uh, program. You've got the, the hemp in Illinois. Um, what in, in navigating that in the regulatory obligations you have to, to, to do both and, and report adequately both, um, is it worthwhile to you to continue this down this path to have both? And, and explain why. I mean, you don't traditionally see companies that divested in, in, in their business model, but I think you raised a really good point about cash flow and how important that is as a public company. Maybe comment in today's day and age why that's so important. Well, uh, for us in our particular uh, case, the impetus behind achieving that cash flow from the hemp business was uh, to help with our gold exploration business. Right. And okay. so yeah. that was that was the main idea behind us entering the the hemp space. Uh, now uh, we are literally days away from achieving our first uh, sales, uh, which will result in us achieving our first revenues, which in turn will generate our first operating cash flow. And uh, the idea behind uh, you know. Uh, achieving that first cash flow is that we don't just want to achieve the cash flow, we want to show that it is sustainable as well. So over the next five to six months, we're going to be working very hard to make sure that that, that cash flow is sustainable. And uh, in the Q3, Q4 of 2020 sort of time frame, uh, you know, it would be natural for the two businesses uh, to be split into two separate companies. So mm -hmm. that's where the company is headed. Mm -hmm. um, but we are pretty excited. As I said, you know, we've worked very hard over the last one year to get to this position, uh, to get to this, uh, this place. And uh, we're literally days away from achieving first cash flows. Uh, one of the things I would also like to add is that, you know, in general, the cannabis sector, uh, and I'm sure investors have seen this as well, the cannabis sector has taken a very, very big hit over the last nine to 12 months or so. It sure uh, has, yeah. A big part of the reason for that is not because they don't have revenue. They do. Most of these companies that are taking these big hits do have revenue, but they do not have operating cash flow. And uh, some of the largest companies in the 
cannabis sector are, are projecting uh, operating cash flows to be achieved in 2021, maybe 2022. Uh, California Gold, because the whole idea behind us entering the, the hemp business was to generate cash flow, is going to be achieving its first operating cash flow with its very first sale. And that's what sets us apart from 99.9% .9 of our peers. Very interesting. So, you know, let's talk a bit more about what you're selling. So you're doing <clears throat> hemp cultivation in Illinois um, since the Farm Act. Uh, I guess a, what, a couple of years ago now, there's been a lot of uh, opening of the hemp uh, growing market in the United States. And, you know, what we've seen is obviously a mad rush to, to, to create, you know, let's, let's grow more hemp. Right. So you were mentioning uh, off camera here, off, off mic, that uh, the people that are growing your hemp in Illinois used to do soybeans and corn. And how do you project how the market for hemp cultivation is going to play out? Because... Are, are we over is it being overgrown now in the US is it undergrown like what what's supply and demand look like to you in this space uh, a lot of different questions that you just asked me there James so <laughs> yeah. so let me begin by yeah. by by uh, you know laying out the the, the groundwork that we have done mm -hmm. uh, to understand this industry uh, the hemp industry as it you know the, this nascent you know um, um, uh, hemp industry that has just come into existence with the passage of the of the farm bill in 2018 December of 2018 so it's literally 14 months old yeah uh, so you know there's three basic components to the wholesale market of hemp Okay, the retail market is very convoluted. We're, we don't have any intentions of getting into the retail side anytime soon. But on the wholesale side, uh, you've got seed and genetics. Then mm -hmm. you've got farming and cultivation. And then you've got processing. Okay? Mm -hmm. And so those are the three basic components of the wholesale side of the market. And from our perspective, it was very important to understand where the bottlenecks were. Okay? Right, okay. There's a lot of farmers out there that overnight wanted to get rich and you know, basically just uh, convert their corn and soybean fields into hemp fields, and uh, they were expecting to make you know, a, a really quick buck. Um, but the idea, you know, but, the, but the problem is that that's not where the bottleneck is, very clearly. The bottleneck is on the seed side. The mm -hmm. bottleneck is on the extraction side. So uh, you know, what, we, what we noticed was that, yes, there's, in 2019, there's a lot of hemp being grown in the United States. There isn't enough extraction capacity processing capacity available in the United States uh, to go and process all of that hemp. And as a result of that, hemp biomass prices have fallen through the floor in the United States over the last six months or so. And so our main objective was to go and secure uh, uh, contracts and consulting agreements with existing extraction companies. We don't want to try and reinvent the wheel here. Yeah. We wanted to go and secure that extraction space and schedule uh, our biomass to be processed with existing extraction companies. And we successfully achieved that in 2019, late 2019, in, in November, December of 2019. Gotcha. And now we're at a point where through our contacts, you know, through our, through our consulting agreements with these extraction companies, we've been able to produce two separate lines of products, wholesale products. One is a distillate, uh, which is a zero THC distillate, a uh, very sought after commodity in the United States right now. And then the other one is a CBD isolate. And uh, uh, just over the last three weeks or so, we have announced two separate agreements that we have signed. One is for the wholesale bulk sale of, um, of, of our distillate, and the other one is for the bulk sale of our isolate. Okay. And, and what end products do you end up seeing that distillate and isolate end up in? Do you know? Well, um, there's there's a multitude of different, uh, you know, uh, retail products that these could be used in. Uh, yeah. Obviously, uh, there's 3,500 different retail brands in the United States right now. They all have their own, you know, unique formulations. Um, yeah. You know, one company's tincture is better than other 
and another company's texture. Um, but again, uh, our idea is to try and stay away from the retail market as much as we possibly can. But uh, just to answer your question in a general sort of a perspective, uh, there's there's 3,500 different uses for it. Yeah, yeah, okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I don't, is, is hemp and hemp CBD held to the same scrutiny as, uh, like I know it's a completely different product, but like THC flower? Absolutely not. I yeah. think, um, you know, and just to give you an anecdotal example here, um, you know, uh, if we were to go and apply, you know, our property that we grew our hemp uh, biomass mm -hmm. on is in Illinois. If we were to go and apply for our, our THC license, I should say a marijuana growing license there, uh, it would be, you know, months, if not more than a year for us to successfully, if we met all the criteria, um, you know, for us to successfully achieve, uh, you know, obtaining that that uh, that license. Uh, but our hemp cultivation license, we, uh, we got that back in three business days flat. Wow. So that gives you some idea as soon as the the uh, the hemp and and uh, the hemp crop and hemp's derivatives were legalized federally uh, by the passage of the the 2018 Farm Act, you know, um, hemp has basically become completely uh, open in the entire in the entire United States. Now, the, maybe an uncomfortable question, but you're not growing in Canada, are you? No, we're not. It's uh, <laughs> uh, we would like to. Uh, there is. Uh, so what's stopping you? What are your Canadian? <laughs> <laughs> That's a loaded question, James. So um, you know, Health Canada has uh, some very unique restrictions to growing hemp in Canada, and this is obviously completely my opinion. And I'm gonna I'm gonna you know let you and your audience know about my opinion. <laughs> um, nothing against Health Canada, but you know Canada uh, has a very fledgling marijuana industry right now, right. and uh, you know the the real difference between a marijuana plant and a hemp plant there essentially identical, exactly yeah. identical. The only real difference, uh, you know, technical difference between the two is that industrial hemp has less than 0.30% THC in it, and uh, marijuana has more than 0.30% THC in it. And uh, from, from our perspective, you know, we understand that the hemp plant and the marijuana plant have hundreds of cannabinoids in them, mm -hmm. THC being just one of them, yep. okay, uh, that is missing in, in hemp, but is present in marijuana. So if, uh, you know, uh, Canada and the US had open borders if uh, we were able to either bring the genetics that have been formulated in the United States or the hemp that was grown in the United States into the into the Canadian market, uh, you can rest assured that the fledgling marijuana industry in Canada would take a very severe hit. Uh, and, and the reason for that is there's, as I mentioned to you, there's hundreds of cannabinoids that you can find in the hemp plant that are also there in the marijuana plant. The only reason is, uh, the, only, the only difference is that there's no THC in hemp. Yeah, yeah, and I, and I guess the, let's talk about growing hemp versus marijuana for a sec. So, um, you know, I've heard different opinions about what the ultimate, you know, benefit of, of hemp from a growing perspective is. Uh, some people think that it's not the extraction, it's the actual fiber, that, that that's really the, the, the more efficient part of the plant. Um, do you see commoditization or challenges commoditization of hemp CBD um, with respect to how you have to, you know, if you're going to grow it on scale? So I don't know how big your facility is now, but if you're going to have... Um, globally supplied market of hemp CBD, what's the path to getting there? Well, w one of the uh, ways to answer that question, and I'll try and do it a little indirectly here, yeah. is um, uh, the supply and demand balance is a very, very important factor in answering this question. Mm -hmm. To understand the supply and demand balance, I'm, I'm going to, again, give you another anecdotal example. Uh, you know, a can of Coke opened up in Canada needs to taste exactly the same as a can of Coke opened up in China. Sure. Right now, there isn't enough hemp CBD 
supply to guarantee the quality and the the quantity that would be required for a multinational like Coca-Cola to jump into the market mm -hmm. and actually have its own proprietary CBD infused products. Okay, all of these beverage companies, multinational beverage companies, PepsiCo, Coca-Cola, Nestle, Budweiser, all of them want to have their own proprietary brands, uh, you know, that have you know, CBD infused beverages. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, the, the, the supply side has to go up by a complete order of magnitude, if not more, to be able to meet those kind of you know, supply, you know, uh, supply demands, and, and at the same time, also meet the quality, quality assurances that would be required by those kind of companies. So I hope that answers the question. Yeah, yeah, well, I mean, you've already, <laughs> I mean, you've identified the problem, uh, which is, you know, consistency, uh, you know, if you're, if you're going to supply it like stevia or sugar or whatever, I mean, that's ultimately like, you know, if you want to be in Coke, you got to be able to produce at that level, which that's, that's correct. Yeah. One yeah. of the other big things, um, you know, uh, the difference between marijuana and hemp is mm -hmm. that marijuana typically is grown indoors, uh, because mm -hmm. it directly affects the quality of the THC production uh, you know so uh, you know if you try and grow marijuana outdoors you can do it but it's extremely labor labor intensive and it's it's very hard to actually you know cultivate uh, very high quality marijuana outdoors hemp on the other hand you don't want to cultivate indoors you actually want to do it outdoors so from a supply perspective you can only grow the marijuana industry so much on the supply side on the hemp side you can have millions of acres under cultivation in the United States we actually did have close to a million acres that cultivated in, in 2019 and you can keep on growing that so the supply is growing it will grow quite a lot as well and it still has a long way to go before it starts to meet the the perceived demands that are all waiting in the wings factor fic, uh, fiction question for you so hemp hemp fiber and environmental sustainability is hemp fiber going to be a better alternative from an environmental perspective than cotton and other popular Oh, absolutely. I yeah. mean, I, I'm, uh, you know, there's there's some metrics out there. And I don't want to try and quote those metrics <laughs> because I'll get it wrong. But, uh, you know, uh, hemp makes way better paper than trees do. Yeah. Okay? And I think that that in itself should answer the question from a sustainability perspective, you know, from uh, an ozone depletion perspective, all those sort of environmental factors that you can think of. So that one factor itself, you know, would actually impact, uh, you know, the, the paper industry and the environmental aspect of the paper industry in a very profound way. And that's just one use of, of uh, hemp fiber. There's, there's thousands of uses of hemp fibers. So we can only imagine what else it would do. Yeah, no, I hear that. I was in Switzerland a couple of weeks ago and in Davos and the the topic of environmental sustainability and hemp and uh you know it's it, people are just learning and growing to understand and obviously there's a lot of embedded interests in the uh uh you know cotton and other types of uh textile oh yeah absolutely. <laughs> where they're not you know gonna just welcome it absolutely i yeah. think uh the 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 passage of the farm the farm bill in 2018 in the United States I think that opened up uh, you know uh, a completely brand new chapter uh, to all of these different industries that you're that you're talking about that mm -hmm. could be impacted by hemp so you know it's pretty exciting times and uh, yes there will be a commoditization you know there will be a time to commoditization it's happening a little faster than everyone expected yeah. um, we are expecting you know initially we were thinking that this this uh, this boom in the hemp industry would last a good 10 years or so uh, but the commoditization aspect of it where big multinationals step in and they start controlling the markets i think that's probably about five years away now yeah okay that's 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 good to know so just tell us about yourself real quick well you're you're here today at the canadian securities exchange opening the market with uh, california gold mining um what were you doing before 
So uh, I am an exploration geologist. I've got a master's oh. in geology from uh, the University of Toronto. Yeah. And, um, um, you know, I worked as an exploration geologist for several junior resource companies in the past. Um, and then I jumped into capital markets. So I worked as yeah. an investment banker and as an equity research analyst for several investment banks based here in Toronto. Okay. And then uh, about seven years ago, I, I got approached. I was working as, as an analyst for uh, one of these banks when I got approached by the former president and CEO of California Gold, this uh, exciting new project that they had just purchased in 2013 in California. Um, they wanted me to do some research on it. Uh, you know, if if I liked what I saw, then maybe my investment bankers could come in and, and help them finance, uh, you know, some of their exploration activities. And um, as part of my due diligence, I, uh, you know, took a plane down to the property. I, uh, you know, uh, looked at everything. I'd always heard about the gold rush that took place in California, but I'd never had the opportunity to work in it. Yeah. So I was pretty excited by the opportunity. And um, I came back completely impressed by what I saw and I uh, said to these guys that uh, you know if, if you can uh, make some room for me I think I could be way more helpful to you internally rather than trying to help you out externally so I joined California Gold in 2013 and since then uh, I've been the presidency of the company right and we're on the eve of PDAC which is the big well the PDAC conference convention it's here in Toronto the biggest I want I expect there's going to be 25 30,000 at worst 20,000 people coming through the halls of the the convention center and i think a lot of that interest this year is being driven by gold right, um, right. you know there's been a little excitement around the commodity recently and uh you know it's uh, do you think it's warranted do you think that people should be excited for gold in the next oh, few months i think they should i think um, one of the things that uh, um as a former analyst you know one of the one of the principles that i abide by mm -hmm. is that when gold goes up quite a lot people you know junior companies start to get very excited yeah. uh, but you don't see that excitement in share prices and the reason for that is senior companies that are actually producing gold you know will see an immediate benefit in their next quarter earnings because the gold that they were selling you know an ounce of gold that they were selling for $1,200 an ounce last quarter, all of a sudden it's being sold for $1,450 or $1,500 this quarter. Right. So their earnings, you know, obviously skyrocket and that drives their share price. But it takes a good two to three quarters for that effect to trickle down to junior companies. And the reason for that is because junior companies are actually not producing any gold. Oh, it's pure <laughs> they're, speculation. Right? They're exploring for gold. And yeah. so uh, from our perspective, you know, when gold started going up last summer, um, you know, we were saying to our shareholders that, you know, we, we've got a small management team here. We want to try and focus on this new business stream that we are trying to establish. By the time we are, you know, in a position to realize our first revenues and our first cash flows, if the price of gold is still sustained at this high level, um, I think that would warrant us re-entering the, the drilling exploration phase on our gold property. So that's that's where we are. Okay, well, and that's great. That's a great summary. So um, if you're listening and you want exposure to hemp and gold all in one tidy package, <laughs> CGM on the CSE. Michelle, I really thank you for coming in today and it's great to meet the team and learn more about the company. Um, good luck to you. My pleasure, James. It was a real honor ringing the bell today. Yeah, our pleasure. And if you're listening today on Hashtag Finance, uh, please subscribe. We've got two episodes a week uh, with CEOs like uh, Vishal and other thought leaders in the capital markets. You can subscribe on Google. You can subscribe on Apple. You can Spotify, Stitcher, wherever. Uh, we also broadcast the shows on YouTube. So, uh, And that's under CSC TV. So again, thank you for joining us. Thanks for listening. I'm James, and we'll uh, see you on the next episode. We're social here at the CSE. Each and every day will keep you up to date on trending topics that investors are talking about, such as cannabis, blockchain, and esports. Follow daily CSE news and events on your favorite social media platform, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube. You'll find exclusive interviews with leading entrepreneurs from a variety of industries. 
thought-provoking stories from across the world of finance, and updates from CSE events taking place worldwide. Join the conversation and connect with us today.